Hello and welcome back to Diaries of a Lady Gardener, the podcast about all things planty. From flowers and fruits to succulents and sowing microgreens, we cover a whole host of topics with some of your favourite people across the gardening world. This one's for those who prefer plants to people and think of their seedlings as their children. This week, I chatted to the absolutely hilarious MJ Real Davies, who you might remember for her floppy poppies, bumhole flowers and the magic apple tree, as well as her wafty borders and the big garden seed spot. I have to admit, she is one of my absolute favourite personalities on Instagram and has me howling with laughter on a weekly basis, so you can imagine how excited I was about this one, and I hope you will be too. Enjoy! Hi Emma, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's a, such a pleasure to have you. I feel like we've got a lot of topics to cover in this in this episode. <laughs> I know, literally, I, I don't even know where to start. I'm just so excited to get going. <laughs> well, if we start like right back at the beginning, okay. how you first got into gardening, which my gut instinct tells me that it's going to have something to do with your lovely granddad. Oh, you're so right. Um, <laughs> although I suppose it is, yeah, so it is my grandpa, but also really it was my grandma. I think she was, my my grandpa loves the garden so much, but I feel like when I was growing up, it was more my grandma who was like my sort of inspiration when it came to gardening. <laughs> so we're really, really lucky. So my grandpa, my well, my grandparents' house, obviously my um, grandma passed away a few years ago, but um, my grandparents have got this beautiful garden um, which they kind of like, you know, it's one of these stories where like back in the day, they bought the house for like 50 pounds. <laughs> I'm not even joking. It was like such a, you know, it was just like this cheap plot of land. And then they just sort of built it up as this really beautiful, amazing, like very sort of wild garden. So when I was a child, I mean, you know, as we all are, when we're children, we probably don't real- realize how lucky we are to have the sort of spaces that, you know, if we're fortunate enough to have a beautiful garden, whatever, we mm-hmm. don't realize how lucky we are to have that space. Um, so they've got this acre plot um, and at the back, it's just complete woodland, basically. So it's wow. completely wild. It's like completely untouched. I mean, it, it is sort of maintained. Like my grandpa has someone who comes and helps him like once a week to kind of, you know, chop back bits that are getting in the way so that he can get past in his wheelchair and everything. Um, and they've had the sort of um, patio area sort of just outside the house landscapes like back in the day that he did. And they did everything themselves. That was the other thing. I mean, he's fortunate enough that now um, he has got a gardener that comes in to help him because obviously being disabled, he sort of needs, I can't really do it himself. But mm-hmm. yeah, back in the day, they did everything themselves and planted it all up. And, you know, he built me a tree house, me and my Aww. younger sister, a tree house, which was just like this magical place that we would go and have tea in and you know we we sort of created a little pulley system with this tree house where we'd go and collect leaves and petals and stuff and we'd make like potions and you know like curries and all sorts of things so yeah I suppose that's where it started really and just having this incredible space to like run around in. it wasn't even necessarily gardening but it was more just kind of being outside in nature and like flowers and these wonderful apple trees and um I don't know just having this like desire to kind of like grow stuff but not really know what or where and then kind of cut all the things that we were growing and make little posies and I don't know it's just like that kind of like really idyllic like childhood situation where yeah I was just like out and about in nature like all the time and we just loved it 
It sounds amazing. I feel like I actually had kind of a similar childhood. Like we had a little tree house and we used to spend all of our all of our times making little fairy houses and potions and like running around out, outdoors. But like I said, I never thought of it as like gardening or like growing things. It was just kind of like that was our garden and we just played in it. Yeah, exactly. Literally, it's exactly that. And like, you know, I look back now and I realise like how lucky we were to have that incredible space to kind of just like, yeah, roam around in. And, you know, for my mum and dad, especially who didn't have to worry about like where we were, but we felt like we were just like out in the wilderness, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> kind of like woodland and stuff. It was just, yeah, it was wonderful. And so when you grew up, did you kind of lose that or would you say that you kind of discovered gardening a bit later in life when you really got into kind of gardening with your own garden? Yeah, I think um, I think that I guess like I've always loved being in and around nature like I've always loved you know like walking and kind of being outside and like I'm a bit of a like romantic when it comes to you know like the natural world like you know I sort of like tend to sort of daydream and like you know have visions of cycling along and picking a little wildflower posy and all this kind of stuff but I think there was a moment like when I was kind of I guess I can't quite remember how old I was but maybe kind of like at the end of primary school age just like approaching secondary school so maybe like 11 12 and um we went on holiday and um, just my mum and my dad and my sister to um Spain we went to Cordova and I, I remember just like seeing all these wonderful um, like hanging baskets full of pelagoniums obviously at the time like everyone was calling them geraniums because of the whole like you know everyone thinks they're geraniums but they're actually pelagoniums whatever um, <laughs> and these wonderful they were just like spilling over with these like bright red and bright orange colours and obviously it's like really hot and the beautiful kind of like orange and red tones that you just get in Spain generally and I was so inspired um, that when I came back from holiday um, my mum had like got some sort of gardening catalogue or something and at the front it was one of these sort of advertisements which was like 70 orange bulbs if you pay 4.99 postage and my mum absolutely hates orange it's like her worst color in the garden she's literally like no but I was so excited and like so inspired by what I'd seen in Spain I was like mum if I give you the 4.99 postage like please can I buy these bulbs and she was just like yeah okay and I think she probably ended up paying the postage in the end I can't remember but anyway so all these bulbs arrived and she gave me this little patch of um the front garden of like the house I grew up in which was just kind of like an end terrace and a little close and um I just planted up this like random section this like little flower bed with these like massive gladioli and all these like brightly colored pelagoniums and all these lilies and all sorts of other stuff and I mean it, it was completely bonkers and you know it's not necessarily what I do now but it did <laughs> look pretty cool like at the time I was like do you know what that actually looks really good and I think my mum and my grandma were like so excited about it as well because I'd really like got so inspired by it do you know what I mean and created this beautiful little kind of like mini garden so um that was a kind of moment I remember where I don't know I really like re-fell in love with it if, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean and then ever since I've always kind of you know loved it but it's been that thing of like you know moving into so many different various rented houses and flats that don't have gardens and you know flat places where I've only had a balcony and stuff like that so I've never kind of always had access to a garden so um yeah, so I've always loved it in some way or another. It just depends on the kind of space that I've had, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I think we definitely take it for, took for, well, obviously you don't know as a child, but the fact that you had all of that open space, like now I live in a flat with like no garden whatsoever because it's like the second floor. 
and it's so difficult these days to find like a property where you've got like even a little garden let alone like an amazing garden that you had when you were a child so for me like my allotment is the most amazing space because it's kind of like outside of my house and I can do what I want with it but um it's funny isn't it you just kind of like forget how good you had it back in the day yeah definitely and like you know like as you say like I used to live at one point in a flat in Southampton and I was right in the center of town so um like there are green spaces in Southampton but nothing at all like having an actual garden like you know like you said about yourself right now and I had a balcony I was really lucky that we did have a balcony um so I did have some sort of pots on there with some lavender and you know I had like a little plant stand for my Kia that I kept on the balcony with some plants on it and stuff which was really nice but at the time and I'll like talk more about this later like you know if you want me to but um I actually went to help out a community allotment and it was like the best thing in my life like literally because I like you said I just didn't it sounds awful and it sounds so horribly privileged to say it but I'd always had a garden like with everywhere I'd sort of lived which sounds awful I like literally can't you know sounds so terrible but you don't realize like how lucky you are like you just said having those spaces and then when they're taken away from you you're like oh my god I can't believe how much I miss this and so that's why I went to get involved with the community allotment and uh, you know obviously all the people it was like a community project for people that were struggling with like um, addiction like substance addiction issues and homelessness and stuff and you realize like how it incredibly like rewarding it is and like mm-hmm. um you know lovely it is to have these like green spaces for especially you know if you've never had one before and like working with people that hadn't um yeah it just made me realize like how lucky I was really so yeah I hope that makes sense <laughs> no that sounds amazing um and it's one of those things that I feel like people just don't really get the whole gardening thing unless you've done it like I remember when I first got my allotment and I wasn't really into gardening at all and I'd be given it as a Christmas present and I was a bit like oh what am I going to do with this like I feel like a bit overwhelmed but it's that like spark of magic as soon as you start growing stuff and it actually grows and you're like whoa this is cool and so every time I bring someone else to my allotment or like I've just started running little workshops and it's like people who have never done it before the excitement that they get from it and I think because it just clears your head of everything else and you kind of you forget about all of your worries and everything that's stressing you out and you just kind of like toddle along and garden it is so rewarding but until you've experienced it I think it's really difficult to kind of portray that message to someone like if you say to someone who's never grown anything before like gardening will change your life like it'll make you happier it'll make you more balanced and well-rounded like you will love it they go yeah I don't think it's for me and you're like yeah to try it before you know that it's not for you Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, it's like about slowing down. Like there's something so wonderfully like slow about gardening, isn't there? Like there's a real like patience that it teaches you, even, you know, like the art of like seed sowing, you know, you, you can't love gardening and be into gardening if you're like one of these people rushing through life and I feel like that's probably why I love it so much and I know like maybe it's the same for you as well Shannon because obviously we were talking like before the podcast um, started about um you know, like how we're sort of like frantically doing things all the time. And it's always yeah. like, oh my God, and we're sort of overwhelmed. And actually like sometimes there's something so lovely about just like putting a little seed in and then waiting a few days for it to germinate and then yeah. waiting a bit longer to pot it on. And it's kind of like this wonderfully slow thing, isn't it? That I don't know, you just have to be really patient and just kind of watch as your garden progresses, I guess. Yeah, but I feel like you don't ever, I am such an impatient person like I want everything like as soon as I think about it I want it to be done but with the garden I don't ever sit there going oh I wish these plants would grow a bit quicker I wish that it was 
this a bit quicker. Yeah. You just kind of like appreciate the whole process. And every time a plant has grown like a couple of millimeters, you're like, oh, it's grown. It's grown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's growing. So exciting. (laughs) Yeah, no, I just think it's magic. And I think that the more people have that opportunity to try out these kind of things like your community allotment sounds amazing and the whole reason I'm running the workshops is for a similar reason where I I think that there's no opportunities where we live for people to kind of get involved and give it a go if they don't like not a lot of people around here have gardens the housing situation is not great so it's amazing to be able to give people the opportunity to give something a go and then kind of see if they can make the most of their space whether it's a balcony whether they've got a windowsill that they can sow microgreens like there are a lot of options if you don't have masses of space yeah a hundred percent and I think that's why like what you're doing is so wonderful and like you know like community gardens and community spaces are just so they're invaluable really Mm. to I mean like communities because you know they're like obviously at one point we were living in um in southeast London we're quite lucky because that particular area of London was again very green but there'll be people there that have never had a garden or even a a plant you know that they've never had that sort of greenery and like that I don't know that sort of real like you know the like practicality of just literally being able to go outside and put your hands in the soil or just go go for a walk where it's quite quiet amongst some trees or you know just be able to like lie on a patch of grass like all those sort of things like we just take for granted so much and I think that's why these community spaces are just so wonderful because you know they're giving people an opportunity to learn about like where like how food is grown and like where food is grown and I don't know just all these again all these things that because you know we're like keynotes and we love gardening and we've you know we're lucky that we've got like spaces and allotment mm-hmm. or a garden or whatever to kind of learn about these things and these people ne- haven't necessarily had that so um yeah it's they're wonderful wonderful things and they're lovely things to be a part of and you just meet so many different people and you know people will garden for all sorts of different reasons as well which I just think is so lovely to kind of you know chat to people about what they love about it and why they love doing it and yeah they're fab <laughs> and it's as much about the process as it is about like the harvest at the end like yeah it's great that you get like some crops and some flowers at the end but it, actually I think that like my favorite bit is definitely the like sowing the seeds and I don't like potting on but my mum potting them on and then when I plant them out I'm really excited again <laughs> and then as it grows it's really exciting I just don't like I just don't like pricking out oh no why don't you like pricking out I love it it just really stresses me out I think because <laughs> like I'm maybe not the most delicate of people and then you I'm a bit ruthless as well and my mum would pot up every single tiny one whereas I'd be like oh well I I wanted 20 and I've potted on 25 now so I'll just put the rest in the compost and whereas she'll sit very carefully pot out every single one and you know really take the time and care over it I just don't know what it is I just can't I can't get on board with it so mum comes and does it for me every time (laughs) oh my god bless your mum that is absolutely hilarious like mum the time is now to come and pot on (laughs) She, she, she thrives off it <laughs> oh that is amazing oh bless her I don't know what she's going to do in the summer when there's nothing to put on <laughs> have to, you'll have to get around to water yeah. get around for that <laughs> bless her um so you do have an amazing garden now um yeah well with yes. your new wafty borders yes um, how did you go about kind of I know you moved a lot of pots from your old place to the new place yes yeah how did you make your decisions on like what you were going to do with the space well I don't think I have yet <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yeah so basically uh, we were obviously living in a rented flat in London before and um again we were like really lucky that it was a ground floor flat so we had got a garden which was just amazing but yeah obviously um 
when you're renting, it's only so much you can do with like a garden. I mean, it's hard because you obviously want to make it your own, but then at the same time, you don't want to invest a load of money in like yeah. buying a load of perennial plants or whatever and planting them in a border and then sort of, you know, moving out a few months later. Um, so yeah, so yeah, like you said, we moved all of our, we moved in kind of springtime, which is really nice. So all of my tulips were out and we put them all in in big sort of terracotta pots which I'd all got from Facebook marketplace actually which is like a real top tip for me to get your terracotta pots on Facebook marketplace <laughs> they're so much cheaper but anyway so we loaded all of them into a van that we'd rented and then drove them like an hour up the road to Kent and um yeah unloaded them all amazingly none got damaged which I just can't believe it was just wonderful but anyway and so yeah so it's kind of like so we're in an end terrace and it's kind of like standard terrace like terrace house garden really so it's kind of like flat and long um very kind of exposed and um yeah I guess I think the main thing because again when we were in London we had this beautiful um oak tree at the end of the garden um it was absolutely huge it had like a protection order on it so it was massive and (laughs) when we first moved in we were a bit like oh god this tree is you know taking all the lights and like just just shading the whole garden it's really annoying and then like over like you know the time that we lived there we were like oh my god how were we so rude about this tree when we first moved in like it's the most beautiful tree I feel so bad I spoke about it so badly (laughs) Um, (laughs) we were literally like we love this tree and so I think that was the first thing that both of us were like, let's get some trees in the garden because they just provide like so much. I don't even know where to start. I mean, first of all, the kind of structure of the garden immediately changes because you've got this like these differing heights and, you know, I don't know, like this sort of different focal points. You're looking up as well as looking kind of like out and down. Extra um, special when some apples just magically turn up a few days after you planted it as well. <laughs> Oh, yes. That was a little <laughs> trick from my mum and dad when they came to stay and they tied an apple onto the tree and I was very excited it's like this literally like this three foot tree that we got for like I think it was like 40 pounds and this apple appeared and we were like oh my god it's like it's a miracle but no it was just my mum and dad uh, yeah so yeah so we just really wanted to get some trees in and um like we sort of I mean I haven't got a very you know broad depth of knowledge when it comes to kind of plants but I really wanted like a fruit tree I think an apple tree I mean it's again you know I said earlier that I'm like so romantic about like you know gardens and stuff and there's just nothing like having an apple tree with all that blossom no. and fresh apples on the tree so I was like gotta have an apple tree um and then yeah and then we planted a crab apple at the end because also we really wanted them to be good for the wildlife so mm-hmm. um you know obviously having blossom and then having the crab apples um like is wonderful for the for the wildlife and then we've got like this what I call my fancy hawthorn um on the other side which I absolutely love as well so yeah so getting the trees in was like a big priority um and then yeah creating my wafty borders which have been slightly controversial but <laughs> controversial I've done them now so well only because I think like um well my my boyfriend really would prefer them to be like dead straight and very kind of neat whereas I love like you know cosmos flopping all over the place and like all the, the romantic kind of- border it wouldn't yeah, have been romantic waft, for it to be straight. Exactly, Shannon. Thank you. Like exactly what I'm going for. Um, yeah, so yeah, exactly that. I wanted the waft of the wafty wave. Um, whereas he was more like up for the kind of dead straight, let's get some sleepers in, which you know I like as well. But mm. you know, if it were my choice, I'd have the wafty borders, but I won because I do the gardening. So <laughs> that's how it works. So <laughs> I'm hundred percent with you. I feel like 
it's very in this year as well like hopefully we'll kind of continue on this being like a bit of a trend but um to have that kind of like wilder more like letting nature do its thing than you like perfectly manicuring everything and making sure it stays within its box a hundred percent and I think like you know even when it comes to like lawns and stuff because there's been a lot of like chat recently about like oh do you keep your lawn and do you not and like blah 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 and you know personally I do quite like a lawn sometimes just because, you know, there's nothing like in the summer lying on the lawn on a picnic blanket or whatever with a nice book and a cup of tea or a lemonade or whatever and just kind of chilling out. I think it's like really nice. And there's something really lovely about, I love like walking. I'm such a weirdo, but I love walking barefoot on a lawn. Mm, <laughs> like even yeah, if there's like weird little weeds and stuff, I don't mind. I just like, all, you know, mud and stuff. I don't, it doesn't bother me. Um, and on that, like, you know, we've, well, I've decided, because again, this probably, probably got a slightly different opinion to my boyfriend about this, but we are going to leave all the weeds in the lawn because mm-hmm. we get quite a lot of like dandelions and stuff like that. But I don't know, it just to me, that's just what part of what a lawn is. And I know like, you know, some people love a really manicured like English lawn with the whole like stripes, you know, tennis court stripes and stuff. And I do love that. Don't get me wrong. Like when you go to a national trust house, but I'm like, hey, it's not so much effort and I can't be bothered. Yeah. And secondly, like, you know, there is a space, there's got to be a space for weeds somewhere. And, you know, the dandelions are like one of the first thing that pops up and then the bees love them. So like, how can I get rid of them? I don't know. It's like, for me, it's just part of it. So yeah. I feel like a lawn with like little daisies and little dandelions though, is like, that is nostalgia. Like that is my childhood making little daisy chains, making little dandelion potions. And apparently dandelions are good for like 101 other things as well. So it shouldn't even really be called a weed these days. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, no, I love that. And oh, and doing the little like buttercup thing where you put yeah, butter do you like butter under your chin? Yeah, it's just like so lovely, isn't it? Yeah, I completely know what you mean. It's just like reminiscent of like childhood, isn't it? And going yeah. to primary school and yeah, playing outside. So I actually yeah. had the first daisy in my like tiny little patch of lawn that I've left on the allotment the other day, and I ran straight over to. I was like, oh my god, it's a daisy! It's the first daisy of the year. Oh. And whoever was there with me was like. Are you genuinely getting excited about a little weedy flower? I was like, look at it, it's beautiful. It's a perfect daisy. Literally the most perfect daisy. Oh, that's adorable, I love it. The first of the year, if anything, is always the best. Like the first dahlia of the year, the first yes. anemone of the year has been a showstopper <gasps> this year. Um, I was very been excited. A, yes, I saw this on your Instagram. It's absolutely, wasn't it a beautiful blue or purple yeah, one? Yeah, blue, oh. bluey, purpley colour. It was stunning. From the Rose Press oh. Garden, of course. <laughs> yeah, lovely Lizzie, who we love. Oh, that's so, oh yeah, it was yes. gorgeous. I loved it. Yeah, I got very excited the other day because my first crocus came up. Ooh. And I was absolutely over the moon. It's like a little beautiful white crocus. And I, I planted like it under my apple tree. Oh yes, yes, under that wonderful in that wonderful patch. Yeah, my little patch. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this time of year, although like obviously like most of my allotment is very brown at the moment, it's like when you really get the most excited because it's like the first pop of colour, the first signs of life, and you just know that it's going to get better and better and better and better from this moment onwards. Oh my gosh, I 100% agree. I think spring, like I say every month it gets to, I'm like, this is my, sorry, every season it gets to, sorry. I'm always like, this season is my favourite season. Mm. And then like every season I say the same thing because like spring, it's just so wonderful for all those reasons Mm. you've just said, like just that joy of like seeing the first of everything, like you said, like when it's been so dark and so miserable and there hasn't been as much kind of like floral wonder in the garden and then just seeing those like first few bulbs pop up it's just there's just nothing like it no and it feels like it goes from like months and months and months and months of dreary dark wetness where there's not really anything growing 
And then suddenly one thing starts growing and then something else pops up. And every single time you go back to the garden, you're like, oh, there's that. Oh, there's that. Oh, there's another one. Oh, and then it kind of like, it's like the puzzle kind of like forming together until you get to midsummer and then it starts going back down again. It's just yeah, so, it's so true. I know. And I think also because although obviously there is stuff to do with the garden at the moment, but like, it's not like in the summer where you're like, oh my God, constant deadheading or I need yeah. to like keep picking my sweet peas or I need to like, you know, get the earwigs out my or whatever it is you're doing. You know, it's kind of just like, you're just having a little wander outside, seeing what's going on. And like, and also there's nothing like a really kind of chilly, but beautifully sunny day, like in the, in the spring, there's just like, I don't know, something so wonderful about it when there's like not a cloud in the sky and like, the sun shines on your first tulip and you're like oh my god this is the best moment of my life it's just lovely I think as well there's like a slight I mean I don't know if anyone else feels this but it's like a slight smugness of being a gardener when you're outside and the weather just happens to turn lovely and there's a beautiful blue sky that no one was expecting when everyone else is like at home watching Netflix or like like hold in for the day and you're like I just happened to be in the right place at the right time and I'm very much enjoying this lovely peaceful quiet beautiful day it's almost like the sun knew that I was coming out to be in the garden (laughs) although the sun didn't shine on me at my summer party that I had like a little Christmas party I think say party I had like my family round the allotment and we had like mulled wine and oh I don't even know if we ate but um it was mid-December or mid mid-December maybe and it was absolutely stunning sunshine, like that proper, oh. like crisp wintry day with like beautiful blue skies. Whereas my July party had been a total washout and we'd all had to cram in the shed. Because oh it no. Ritual downpour. Oh no. So annoying. It's just a classic, classic British summer, that is. Yeah, very typical. Um, <laughs> so, one of the things that I know that you'll be super excited for this year is obviously seeing the Snigels return for the, for the summer <gasps> yes. season. Yes, I am very excited for Snigel to make his return to the garden. <laughs> Have you found any like real methods that work to keep the Snigels away from the precious plants? Because it's something that I'm kind of like 50% feel like I know what I'm doing. 50% could do with a bit more, bit more info. Do you know what? I think I feel the same as you. I think, first of all, I've like really found like over the last couple of years that I need to like love the Snigels like you know we're all about like welcoming all the wildlife into the garden even if that means that they're going to have a good old nibble at our prize dahlias or whatever um I've tried nearly everything now I think I mean I think so I've tried like I would say well not from personal experience because I've only ever used nematodes once but from talking to others people find that nematodes are like one of the best methods to kind of control them. And by the way, if you're listening and you're like, what is a nematode? Um, It's like this form of biological, like slug and snail control, basically. Um, You kind of, they're like, are they micro somethings? What are they? Like, where are they? uh, What are they called? The name's really horrible. It's like a parasitic worm, I think. Yes. They're like basically tiny, tiny, tiny little parasites and you buy them in a packet and there's millions in a packet and it kind of looks like this weird powdery clay kind of stuff and you keep them in the fridge and then you just mix a sort of portion of the nematodes into your watering can and then water them onto the area where you want the slugs and snails to stop eating your plants and basically these parasites will eat the slugs and snails from the inside out but because they're (laughs) because they're little creatures it's actually completely like biological and organic 
and, and like in the soil already it's just yeah. not in such a quantity so it's kind yeah, of yeah so we're just adding more yeah, yeah. exactly so pe- yeah so from what I've kind of chatted to people about they seem to be the kind of best thing um like they work best but they can be obviously quite expensive and if you're mm. you know wanting to make sure that they aren't coming into your garden at all then and if you've got a very big garden or even quite a large area like the large flower bed or whatever then obviously that can really add up um I've also tried um the copper rings and the mm-hmm. copper tape and that works really well but you just have to be really careful that like they're all really joined together properly and um you know like the like the slugs can't sort of get onto a plant via another plant, little kind of like bridge, if you see what I mean. So they're really good. I've tried beer traps, but I always feel a bit mean with them. Yeah, same. <laughs> I don't know. It just, I know like they're sort of it's, dying in a nice way. If, if, it's because you, know, you see them all beer. dead though, isn't it? Yeah. Like with the nematodes, you don't then see like a clump of dead slugs and snails. Whereas no. with the beer traps, they're like all there looking all grim and they're like dry. Yeah, exactly. And with the nematodes, you kind of feel like it's just part of the circle of life, you know? Mm. So you're just like, what can you do like that's just life and death but um yeah so I don't know and then what was the other thing oh and my wool that I absolutely love um so I've yeah I think I need to kind of try and use it properly and I think I'm going to try it in the summer with a different method so basically um I last year I bought some random bits for you know online as we all do and it kind of came packaged with this really thick kind of like natural wool like it was sort of a mat really um and I was like oh my god this is amazing because you can buy wool pellets in like you know B&Q home base or whatever to kind of like repel the slugs and again it's all completely organic and the idea is that they don't like the texture of like sliming along them so when this packaging arrived I was like oh my god amazing I'm going to use this and kind of use it as like a mat under all my little seedlings and see if it repels the slugs and it definitely does, but it can, obviously, especially at this time of year, it can get, if you're using it like a mat, so you're just putting it, say, I had it like um, in a cold frame. So it was literally on the floor. And then I was like watering my plants on top of it. And so then it can get kind of quite waterlogged and damp. And then the slugs sort of don't mind it as much. But I went to Great Dixter Gardens in uh, Northern in, I don't know whether that's Kent or East Sussex. That's really embarrassing. I think it's East Sussex. I don't know. It's on the border, whatever. I think it's East Sussex. I don't know. But anyway, I went to Great Dixter and um, they had all their hostas in these really beautiful pots. And hostas last year, oh my God, they were just a disaster. Like the slugs just absolutely went for them and they were all just, they weren't even hostas. They were just like sticks. It was just dreadful. And um, at Great Dixter, what they'd done was they'd used these, like this wool stuff and kind of broken it all into sections and then just sort of used it almost like a mulch around the base of the hosta in the pot. Oh so yeah kind of like you would with like a bark or something so it was really like you know secured into the hosta and they were just untouched they were like absolutely perfect not a slug bite in any of the leaves and I was like oh my god that's what I need to do so I have tried that this year with a few things already but again because it's been like because it's winter mm-hmm. um it's been like obviously like a little bit wet and kind of cold so some of the wool has started to go a bit green <laughs> and look a bit unpleasant but I feel like in the summer I'm really going to go for it and try it with my with my pots especially and see if um that repels the slugs but yeah so they're my sort of top methods really but I don't know if you have any more that you'd suggest or if there's anything else that you use well, so I have done nematodes. I thought the nematodes were brilliant last year. There's actually an episode with Ladybird Plant Care where we talked about it quite a lot. Um, I, they, I did find that they made a massive difference. I don't have a huge slug problem at my allotment, mainly because all the wood chip paths, the wood chip is so 
like horrible for them to go over that they just tend to not but if they're already in the beds they obviously just stay and populate within their beds and some of the borders that are like next to a path which is grassy you yeah. can really see the sort of effects of the slug like sunflower corner last year was right next to a grassy path and it just devoured like anything that the birds didn't take the seed of it just took the leaves off and I just had all of these little tiny sticks of no. sunflower seeds. oh no <laughs> it's very upsetting Aww. but um for pots and stuff I top them with um crushed rock shells from shell on earth and I find that yes. works really well yeah and it looks really pretty as well so it's kind of like a win-win like most of the time I'm topping the pot because it looks nice but then you're like oh the slugs also haven't touched it and they did last year so that's like ideal yeah Um, but the the wood chip and the shells it's that crunchy horrible texture for them isn't it I just hate slugs and snails they're the one thing in the garden that I really cannot stand I don't like the the feel of them the like slime the look of them like everything about them makes you feel a bit sick <laughs> really yeah. because I was gonna say because the other thing that I do a lot is just pick them off like I I, especially like when it's raining like you know because obviously they love coming out in the kind of the wet and the damp and so as, as soon as we've had like a real big rain shower or whatever I just tend to like run out of my raincoat and kind of do a like mammoth <laughs> snigel like fest and I just like pick them all up and put them in a bucket at the bottom of the garden which is basically pointless because they'll probably just crawl back in like five minutes flat but <laughs> obviously by the sounds of it you wouldn't want to do that because you hate the feel of them no I, <laughs> I mean that I couldn't yeah. touch one <laughs> they are pretty grim I don't mind doing the snigels with you know my fingers yeah on the shell but the yeah, slug, on the shell, some of them so oh my gosh when they're that big some of them are huge oh. as well they're like the size of a cat like you're just like get away <laughs> yeah they are they are horrific in my in my head I know that they're wildlife and I do welcome all wildlife but they're just the one that is a no-go for yeah. me. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, a lot of people listening will be like, yeah, no, not for me. Yeah, I just don't know what it is. I think it's because when we were kids, I don't know if it was in our house or like in the garage or something, but if you left like a um, like a pair of shoes or something somewhere and you would see this like snail trail or slug trail over it and oh. it just made you feel really gross. And then I was like, oh, I could no. never wear those shoes again now. Oh my God, that is so gross. Although having said that, so I learned quite an interesting thing the other day from my um, tutor and my, because I'm doing like an RHS gardening course at the moment and keep learning little tips and tricks, which is really good. And she told me that if, um, when you see the snail trail, like on your plant or whatever, apparently it kind of indicates to other snails. Well, it kind of obviously literally creates a path for other snails and slugs to kind of use. So if you break it somehow, like, so whether you kind of like, you know, just wiggle your finger in the soil, then it's less likely that another one will return because oh, it half is like broken. I think I, something like that anyway. I don't know. I'm probably just talking load of rubbish, but that's what she told me. So something along those lines. Sounds like it could work. So I believe. Yeah, it, it sounds like truth, doesn't it? Yeah. So we just go with it. <laughs> um, how are you finding the RHS level two? Are you doing the practical or the theory or both? I'm yeah. I So I'm doing the practical um, at the moment. So yeah. So um, like, so there are, th- three in the level two so there's two different theories and then um one practical at the moment and yeah I I wanted to do the practical first just because I've never been particularly good at science and I was really worried it was going to be like very sciencey so I thought if I do the practical see how I get on see if I like it and stuff then I'll do the theories as well which mm-hmm. is what I'm planning on doing um, and also just apart from anything else just working full-time and doing a course at the same time is like actually quite a lot of work and like quite can be quite tricky especially if you're doing like a nine-to-five it's like virtually impossible unless you can find somewhere near you that offers it like at a weekend or on an mm-hmm. evening um 
yeah, but I'm absolutely loving it. Like, which I thought I would, but you know, when you're like, oh, I just want to make sure before I commit to it. But yeah, yeah. I absolutely love it. It's like the best thing in my life. I love it so much. So Aww. yeah, it's great. Yeah. I would have loved to have done the practical. There just isn't anywhere close enough. And because I work nine to five, it's pretty much impossible to do it anyway. Um, but I did love the theory. I like I got my certificate through in the post last week, I think. Oh my gosh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, well done you. Oh, give yourself a medal. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, but it was so good because it was like, there was some stuff that I was like, I knew this already, but it was good to have it like confirmed that the RHS agree. Yeah. And then yeah. there was like all of the plant science stuff about like, I know that I learned photosynthesis at like GCSE and probably in like primary school, but I feel like I never really understood it fully until I did it for this. And then I was like, I should have learned this before, but that's actually really cool. Really interesting how that works. Yeah, definitely. I think like, because, you know, we are like actually gardening and we've obviously both got like a really established interest in it now. It's really like lovely to find out like why certain things are happening and why we why we're doing things in a certain mm. way like why is it that we you know like when we sow a seed we kind of water from the bottom up or do you know what I mean I don't know these like little things you're like oh I wonder why that is why do we pinch out sweet peas and stuff like that and it's 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 just lovely to learn and then be like oh like it all makes sense now and yeah Definitely. it's great isn't it and I think as well it's a, I don't know if it's the same for you but it's the first time that I've ever studied something that I've genuinely been like buzzing to study because I've got a vested interest in rather than just like I'm going to do GCSEs and I have to pick from this list of topics so I'm going to do this one because it's the least boring of them <laughs> yeah it's so true actually like I think especially because when you're an adult as well I think like um you, you, like you say like you you know that we've you've got a passion for something so then when you're actually like actually I really want to study this like it's just it's really lovely to kind of go along and learn and be like I'm so excited to like you know learn how to divide a hosta today yeah. like, it's just great <laughs> and then you go to work and you're like oh I learned all of this cool plant stuff and people are like cool don't really care and I'm like but I'm going to recite everything to you to make sure that I know it for my exam <laughs> yeah like literally I go into work on a Monday which is where my course is and all my like colleagues are like oh how is your plant how is your gardening course like what did you learn today and I'm like telling them like but I'm like oh I feel really bad because they're probably not interested they're just being polite but I'm going to tell them anyway so yeah. They probably expect you to go, yeah, it was great, thank you. And you're like, yeah, it was great. I learned this and I learned this and this happened and yeah. that happened. So you said this and then I did that and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like, oh, I just didn't need to know that much. <laughs> I know. But it's always funny because I turn up like covered in mud. That's the other thing, <laughs> like just covered in... And I wear like the first... Because um, I started a new job while I've been doing my... Um, gardening course and the first week I think I brought a change of shoes so I was like you know not tramping mud everywhere and then I just forgot the second week and then I've just like never remembered since so every week I go and I just trample mud into work and then I'm like oh god like I forgot my change of shoes and it's just really embarrassing as it's like a little trail of like soil behind me and I'm like sorry guys but it's fine <laughs> it's the exact same in my office because we've got like a work garden and oh, I've got these so lovely I've got these new boots that are like they're so close to being like, like short welly boots, but they're also still kind of still like black fashion boots, like everyone's yeah. wearing them at the moment. But yeah. because they're waterproof, they seem to be waterproof because I've stepped in a couple of puddles and they're like almost welly like I wear them out into the work garden. And then I'm like, oh, this is so ideal because like I don't need to remember my wellies every time because obviously I wear yeah. my wellies a lot like throughout the week and I can never drag them around everywhere. But then I go back into the office and I'm like, oh, I'm absolutely filthy. Like I've just trampled mud everywhere. There's mud all over my face. Like my hands are caked in mud. And like, obviously there's no like nail brush or anything to like properly. Yeah. Clean. So I'm sat there at work. Like, I feel like I've just come in from 
a muddy session <laughs> like picking your nails like whoops try and get that mud out from under yeah. them <laughs> the other day when I left I was like you can definitely tell that I've been here and everywhere that I've been because there's like little crumbs on each of the desks oh my gosh literally like I have this really embarrassing situation where we've got at work we've got like a unisex toilets um and I just left this trail like literally going from the cubicle all the way back to the studio where I was working oh it's just so embarrassing but also funny <laughs> so what do you do I feel like People are starting to embrace it a little bit more and then soon we'll all just be trampling mud everywhere. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, we'll just be working out in the mud everywhere. It'll just be great. Definitely. Um, So with the year ahead, what is it that you're most excited for? Do you have like particular plants you're super excited for? Oh, where to start? Um, I am... I'm really excited because I bought some bare root roses because, um, yeah, so my grandpa bought me some vouchers from uh, for David Austin roses for my birthday last year. And so I bought some bare root roses in the autumn with my vouchers, which was just like the most exciting thing ever. And so far, I think they're all alive, which is just great. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm going to plant those out. So it'll be really lovely to see those actually coming into bloom. Because I think, again, there's nothing like it, is there, when you've like, ordered something from online or bought something in a garden center and you can see what it looks like in the picture or on the little label but actually when it comes into bloom in your own garden or on your allotment or whatever you're like oh my god this is so it's the great. best one that's ever lived <laughs> yeah literally it's like the prettiest thing ever it's better than everyone's flowers i mean you just t- take like 500 pictures of it like every day from every angle um yes yeah, so i'm really excited about those um i've like accidentally bought loads of like seeds like cut flower seeds but I, I don't really know where, like, where I'm going to, I think I'm just going to like shove them in my, my new wafty borders in mm-hmm. the gaps because I haven't at the moment, I've got, like you were saying earlier, I've got probably two little patches um, that are kind of filled with some general perennials. So on the right hand side, I've got kind of things that like the sun more because it's sunnier because it faces south and on the other side it faces north. So I've got some um, like shadier things like hostas and stuff, but literally just at the sort of front of the garden. So like the back of the garden, there's just like absolutely nothing there. Um, and realistically, I probably can't afford to like buy mm. a garden's worth of like perennials and shrubs and climbers and, you know, all the rest this year so I'm gonna think of it like I'm just gonna shove in a load of annuals that I'm gonna sow from seed hopefully that's my plan and then hopefully some of them will reseed next year like the nigella and stuff so I'm excited about those um like I've sown some snapdragons and I've sown like so many sweet peas and in your sweet pea milk carton hack yes in my in my, my milk carton sweet peas so yeah so I cut open a a milk carton and filled it with compost and then just sowed some sweet peas in there and the idea was that like it was meant to replicate kind of a greenhouse if you didn't have one um and they worked really well like, mm. I'm really impressed with this milk carton solution Me too. especially because my I've got one of these you know like I call it my teeny tiny flimsy greenhouse um which was a phrase like coined by Liz from Liz Grows Happier if you follow mm-hmm. her on Instagram and also um soiling ourselves <laughs> <laughs> one of my other Instagram mates um so yeah so they coined the phrase teeny tiny flimsy greenhouse so anyway so I've got one of those um but it's just been completely battered just you know by the elements and like they're fab if you've got like quite a sheltered spot but if you yeah happen to have like a very windy garden or like a coastal garden or whatever yeah um, or like balcony or whatever then yeah they're probably not not the best if you want something long term 
And did Pablo make a hole in the roof? Oh, yeah. That was the other thing. Yes. Yeah, so, so, like, I assume it was Pablo. I don't know how else it could have been done. But like in the top of it, there's just like I went out one day and there was just a massive hole in the roof, like you said. And I was like, what? And because it's next to the fence, I just assumed that either Pablo or maybe another cat. So I'm sorry, Pablo is my cat. In case you're listening, you're like, Pablo, who, what? Who's that? Um, Escobar? No. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so that would be, well. Imagine you just come in and come make an Instagram story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I accidentally be targeted for drugs. I don't know. Really taking a turn, this podcast, but no. Um, yeah, I assume it was my cat who we've called Pablo after Picasso, by the way, not the drug lord. It's going to be my next Just question. Make that clear. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I assume it was him. I don't know. But anyway, so I tried to kind of tape it up with some bubble wrap and stuff. And it just hasn't yet. Like it's, it's not doing brilliant. And then the front is all kind of ripped and stuff. So I'm a bit like, oh, my God. So anyway, so it's kind of good that I tried out the sweet pea milk carton method because I'm having to use it every day myself now. So yeah, it's working out well. I think these kind of things are really good, though, because it's again making it accessible to people who don't necessarily have like I remember my first year without a greenhouse like I've got like a greenhouse shed type contraption but without a greenhouse it's so difficult and you watch everyone else saying all their seeds super early and you're like well I've only got like one window so and it's already jam-packed and there's nowhere else that I can start these seeds you have to wait till so so much later and then you're just like throwing a bit of a strop about it but I think things like that it's just good little hack and to be fair even if your plants aren't quite as good as those people who have got amazing greenhouses and stuff it's still a plant and you've still grown it and it's still beautiful yeah exactly that's such a nice way to think about it that's so true and also I kind of think like like recently um I was sowing some nigella like I think I did them in the autumn and um they were just a complete disaster they didn't work they didn't like I literally had like one germinate and I sowed like loads and then like I went out to um my front garden which is just like this really narrow kind of little paved area of like again like a little terraced house and last year I like planted loads of pots up with various different like wildflower seeds and other stuff and whatever and so many nigella had just self-seeded in this one pot like so many and they were doing so well and I was literally like that's just sod's law isn't it that like yeah. <laughs> I try and sow a load and they don't germinate and then nature just does it thing does its thing and I think sometimes like you've got to think about stuff like that as well like you know okay obviously like in an ideal world if you're growing professionally having like a heated greenhouse would be absolutely incredible if you're like doing cut flowers or you know veg or whatever it is you're doing but also like you know sometimes like a little seed will just drop from the plant like it's meant to do like it's how it's meant to reproduce and it'll just well it will reproduce and then you're like well this is just wonderful like who needs yeah. a greenhouse and a heated mat and a heated propagator and whatever and yeah, it's just fab. And it's just great when that happens, really, isn't it? <laughs> definitely. And inspired by that, I'm definitely trying so much more direct zone this year um, because we, we spend so long faffing around with the tiny little seeds. And I always see on the packets, like direct zone from May to, like, May to June. And I'm like, why don't I just like so a lot of things? I'll probably do both and then see how it works out. But at work last year, the direct zone Nigella and Cosmos were 100 times better than my cosmos and nigella that i'd spent months and months like caring for and potting on and like being really careful with and then the direct same ones that was direct same really late but they just did amazing and i was like it literally wasn't worth the hassle really <laughs> Might that's as well so have interesting same. i think i really think there's something about like the plants 
being outside straight away mm-hmm. as well because you know like we go through this whole performance of like like you were saying like sowing it from seed potting it on and then we do the whole hardening off thing so you know like again if you're listening you're not sure what that means it's like where you like um take your plants that you've like grown indoors in a kind of like protected environment and then every day you just put them outside for a little bit so they get used to the kind of elements and the the cold and stuff and the wind and stuff and then the next day you put them out again and you bring them back in at night and so on and so forth and you do that for like weeks and then yeah obviously eventually like you like it's great if you have success with them whereas like I think sometimes the stuff that is direct sown or it's just self-seeded it's just used to that environment straight away and it kind of yeah. has to quickly like adapt which it does and then it flourishes and you're like well brilliant I'm just going to direct sow everything but that's such a great idea I love that you're doing that have you done direct like lots of direct sowing before no, not really. I've only ever sown and tried. To be fair, last year was the first year that I'd really done flowers at all. I was very like traditional, like fruit and veg, loved growing the fruit and veg. And then for, through Lizzie, I discovered flowers from her seed subscription boxes. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to grow only flowers. I am still growing some veg, but just like much, much less because I'm just me. There's actually no point in growing in an entire allotment's worth of vegetables that yeah. it's actually quite hard to give away to other people after a while because they just don't want like copious amounts of the veg that you've grown. So I'm going to grow like enough for me, like some share of my mum and my sister. And then all of the flowers will be like my sister's wedding flowers and the flowers that I want to take home for like cut flowers at home. Um, so I've not really done much direct stone flowers because I started them all in seed trays and very carefully like looked after them last year. But this year I'm going to do it in kind of like I've sown everything that I need for the wedding plus some because you've got to go ATT with it. Yeah. And then any gaps in like borders and in any of the beds, I will direct so and then kind of compare how they work out. And also it's quite good for extending the season a bit. So the things that I've autumn sown and spring sown will hopefully flower at different times to kind of catch all, all the months of the year. And yeah. then the direct zone possibly will be a little bit later, but might keep us flowering later into the year. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a good plan. I like mm. it. I might try and do this as well. You're inspiring me. I think I might try and do a bit more direct sowing, especially because I was sorting out my seeds earlier and there are so many things that I was like, oh my gosh, like, when am I going to have time? Because like yeah, you said, so because space. I haven't, well, that's the thing. So I've got like a really good method now that I'm like, I've got it down. Right. So like, um, in terms of like sowing seeds I have um a little heated mat that I use you don't you don't have to have a heated mat but I found I think again I got it for my birthday like last year and I really love it and I found it really helps like with germination and stuff so but you don't have to use one but I really like it and it will fit on it three very little seed trays so I do three at a time and then Mm -hmm. as soon as they germinate take it off the heat because you shouldn't leave it on the heat because that's when they kind of start to go like really leggy and stuff, which you don't really want. So take it off the heat straight away. And then I'm like, boom, next one, go. <laughs> I just have this like production line where I'm like, right, these have germinated off. You come <laughs> get Love another it. one on the heated mat. And then I've got pop- those to pot on. So I can only ever do three at a time. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, at the moment I've got snapdragons, um, calendula, and some sweet peas and toilet rolls on there mm-hmm. so nice but it's just about space as you say like yeah if you don't have a greenhouse you just gotta be savvy haven't you well I suppose yeah. I could have done my sweet peas and my milk cartons but I because I've done the milk carton ones I kind of wanted to compare to see how they would work with the heat heated mat um so it's interesting isn't it to compare yeah and definitely and that's the on. thing as well it's such a trial and error of like what works best for your space so like even though I've got a greenhouse I don't have unlimited space and so I've still got to kind of like somewhat like 
I guess, time thing so that when one thing moves out, something else can come in. Um, but I don't have like a heated mat or loads of windowsill space, but I do it with my um, my little boiler room because I've got one of those like <gasps> old fashioned boilers. Yes. What's it called? An airing cupboard boiler. Airing cupboard, a boiler room. <laughs> I love Moving it. Moving my factory. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Shannon just lives in a factory. See, all the machinery behind her at the moment is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the airing cupboard, I put like seeds in little, um, so like I pre-germinate quite a lot of seeds. Like I'm not actually doing chilies or aubergines this year, but I would do things like chilies and aubergines, loofers. I'll definitely do the loofers in there. And then sometimes I'll put like little trays in there because it's dark and now you can only do certain things that don't need the light to germinate. But it's kind of like a bit of a rotation of that and then kind of like working up. I'm not very good at the whole planning. In, in my head, I've made an Excel, well, in reality, I've made an Excel calendar of when everything needs to be sown. And then in reality, I've forgotten the seed packet. So it's probably done like two, three weeks later. But um, it's just like this year I'll be better at it. It's just a case of being like, right, this thing's moved on. What can go in its place? Um, and then some things just never germinate and you have to know when when to give in and just accept that that hasn't worked out. My Snapdragons so far have not worked out. Um, but I've just sewn another tray because I was like, right, I'm giving up on the last ones. <laughs> Let's try again. So Emma, I have to confess, in my head, you are the bombhole flower lady. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I rem- I think of you. And every time I see your stories, it makes me laugh. Because one, because your stories are hilarious anyway. But two, because you semi-ruined straw flowers for me. <laughs> I am so sorry. And also, what a label to have. I love it. And also hate it at the same time. But no, I love it. I do, I do love it. And I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. I still love them, don't worry. I just... <laughs> certain ones now I'm like I can't have that one because it it looks too much like a bomb hole (laughs) I don't even know how this started I think like so I I wanted to grow straw flowers because um they're really great for drying and you know how there's this whole new thing about how people love dried flowers because they're kind of like everlasting flowers and stuff and they're they're wonderful like especially like throughout the winter and so I really wanted to go grow some straw flowers so I bought a packet of seed and um, they were fab and like they worked so well and I was like these are amazing I love them so much and then I wasn't quite sure at which stage to pick, to pick them no one like teaches you these things you know you're kind of like is this now is it now or do I wait or because they're kind of open but they're not quite open so I picked a few and I think someone messaged me on Instagram and just said like is it just me or does this look like a bum hole and I was like oh my god I can't unsee it now and- <laughs> So that moment for me as well, it was kind of rude, but also in a kind of funny way because it just cracked me up because it really did look like a bum hole. I mean, they do like, especially yeah. because I had them in this kind of like pink tone and they just look very bum holey. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah. And so they've just ever since had this name. So I'm really sorry if <laughs> I have ruined bum holes. I mean, not bum holes, ruined straw flowers for you because of their bum holey look. They are beautiful though, if you pick them at the right point and as, as long as you're on it. <laughs> They yeah. are still absolutely beautiful and they're so good. Like I made my little straw flower, um, I went to say straw flower bum house, straw flower bauble. <laughs> yes, I loved that. It was amazing. A bum hole bauble. I loved it. <laughs> um, that, so that was majestic hanging on my mum's Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I bet she loved it. <laughs> she did. Um, but this year I'm growing more like whitey pinky ones because I grew quite like regal tones last year. Yes, no. Nice. This this year, because I think they'll be really good for buttonholes for the wedding, because they're really like sturdy and secure, and I could dry them or I could have them fresh. 
Yeah, and I think they last quite a long time mm. um, when they haven't been in water. So they'd be perfect for that sort of thing. And I'm yeah. doing the same. I've got some white ones this year as well. So I'm going to go white and see see what happens. Yeah, love them. And like you say, they literally do last forever. Um, they don't lose their colour. They're, they're almost like dried when you pick them as well, aren't they? So as long as you make sure you dry them out properly. Yeah, they're, they're like majestic. the weirdest... Yeah, they're the weirdest flower I've ever grown, really, because they are, well, yeah, like you say, when they come out, when they burst into bloom, they're so, I mean, they are like straw. I mean, mm. literally, that's where the name comes from. But yeah, they're just so weird, but wonderful at the same time. And my favourite thing is when it rains, they kind of close up into their perfect bumholy nature. <laughs> and then when they open, they're all like strawy and starry and glorious, because they do look kind of like a 3D star when they open. And that's why people love them, because of that, not because of the, yeah, bumholeness. <laughs> Yeah, they're just all around great plants. And also I cut some in November and I put them in a vase, not a vase, like little milk bottles in the shed with some other flowers that were kind of still just about going at that point. And I only put it in the compost today and it's it's still there. It still looks a beautiful flower. It's not fully opened because obviously I cut it like nearly three months ago now, but it was still imperfect, like the longest vase life of a flower I've ever known. Everything else in the milk jugs that I've just left on the side were dead <laughs> and dry and crispy oh and brown no. but this one straw flower was just there looking regal and majestic in the middle do you know what it's so true and also they're so hardy so mm. because it's been like fairly mild um like we have had frosts uh, but like obviously we haven't had any like proper snow or anything and I was just really lazy and left my I grew mine in a big plastic pot because they were kind of an experiment I was just like oh I'll see how I get on with them um and I never kind of cut them down or anything I was like oh I'll just worry about that in the spring and like well you know work out what I'm going to do with that pot then so mm. I've literally still got some in the garden now I mean they don't look at their best I have to yeah. say they're not you know as regal and majestic as you're saying <laughs> like that they should be you know in the summer the height of summer but um but yeah they just have like gone on and like I don't know I might just leave it as an experiment and see if they come back and almost treat it like a perennial don't I, I was gonna say I wonder if it will because I've left my plants in because they, they've not died back in a frost or anything yeah. they still look like perfect healthy plants I wonder if they will flower again yeah what a joint experiment we're doing mm. together this is we'll have to keep each other updated yeah we will we'll have to keep each other posted I love it <laughs> <laughs> another of my favorite things that you did and you didn't ruin anything to me here so it's absolutely fine okay good was <laughs> the, God. the pick your own strawberry patch I was absolutely <gasps> in tears over this oh were you oh it's just so exciting isn't it I lo- I just loved it yeah so good um I've got new strawberries for this year and last year I did have quite a few strawberries like enough to fill a bowl but it they just weren't very <laughs> delicious <laughs> it cracks me up isn't it like enough to fill a bowl yeah that's when you know you've made it when you can fill a bowl of oh 100 oh no but why weren't they delicious they just weren't very tasty varieties I think because I bought them from my least favorite gardening company because oh. this gardening company always has very good offers that tempt you into oh. sub- <laughs> substandard product oh, no. <laughs> and then I thought I had all of these amazing plants and then they all grew and I was like oh they don't really taste that great but so I've taken them all out this year and I've got fresh ones um, nice that are daylight neutral so they should Ooh. fruit for like until the frost I think that might Amazing. be wrong saying I fruit for much longer thing oh yeah. my gosh how exciting I didn't either but I'm buzzing about it and then I'm hoping that I'll have like through the season like yeah. imagine picking enough strawberries to make like a jar of jam <laughs> 
literally that's like all i i, I live for that shannon like yeah. genuinely <laughs> it's like one bowl that i can eat fresh one bowl for jam that's all i'm asking like, that's all i want for the whole season <laughs> yeah literally i know i think i was just so excited because i bought these plants like so when we lived in london in our um like rented flat we had these like two raised beds which much to my boyfriend's annoyance i plonked in the middle of the lawn because it was the sunniest place in the garden and um i just had this like really again like oh my god going back to the romantic thing this really like wonderful you know vision of growing my own strawberries and just waltzing out in some wafty you know floral dress and just picking a strawberry and then eating it for breakfast and then (laughs) waltzing off to work or whatever and so i bought these little uh, strawberry plants that were on some like three for two offer or whatever at my local garden center and then the first two years i got like one if that and i was so disappointed i was like what's going on here and obviously again it was like one big experiment because i've never really properly like grown my own before or whatever and then someone told me that apparently um you'll get the best strawberry crop in the third year of the strawberry's life because obviously oh. a strawberry plant is a perennial so you can like yeah it'll come back year after year and apparently the third year for a strawberry for a new strawberry plant is the best year and last year were was the third year for my little strawberry plants so I managed to fill a bowl as you said, <laughs> Shannon, of strawberries and it was just the most exciting thing and it was so lovely because I planted them all um in like a what do you call it like a kind of windowsill planter you know there's like plastic windowsill planters you get kind of thing mm-hmm. and so I planted them all in there and kind of like again like I didn't really I haven't really like that's what's so great about strawberries you can just kind of neglect them a bit to mm. be perfectly honest I don't really bother with them much I think I put I've got this quite cool stuff that my mum bought me called strolch which is like a cross between straw and mulch I don't know if that, well I think it's like a straw mulch maybe <laughs> so it's called strolch and it's like I don't know if you've ever been to a pick your own but you mm-hmm. know they have that funny straw stuff it's basically that like around the base of the strawberries I, I don't really know what it does but <laughs> it's just the same as any mulch anyway because they have it in the pick your owns I was like I'll put it around the base of my strawberries in this like windowsill planter so it looked very professional and then yeah over like a course of like a few months all these wonderful like bright red jewel like strawberries started hanging off the sides in this wonderful way Uh, I was just so excited about it and so for maximum kind of impact I left them all because normally you'd kind of go and maybe pick one wouldn't you and Mm -hmm. get very excited and then go out the next day but I was like no I'm gonna leave them all until they're all really beautiful and ripe and you know kind of time it so that the slugs aren't getting them they're not rotting but they're just you know perfect Mm -hmm. and then I just went and picked them all at the same time and had this wonderful bowl of strawberries and it was just really exciting I mean there were like 10 in there but like (laughs) you know like you said it's enough to fill a bowl so that's all that matters really I am at one point was filling like a little cup and was like oh I've got a little cup of strawberries it's basically a punnet (laughs) oh my god but like the thing is in serious no in seriousness though it makes you realize like the effort and like the faff involved in like growing even mm. that many strawberries. So like, you know, it makes you appreciate food so much more. Cause like, you know, we, we're all guilty of it, aren't we? That we like go to our local supermarket or grocery store or whatever. And we buy like, you know, whatever vegetables and then we forget about them and they rot at the bottom of the drawer in the fridge. And there's that horrible sort of like gooey liquid. And you're like, oh God, I've got to clean it out now. And like, we all do that, don't we? We've all done it in the past. And I think, you know, like growing your own, not that I have grown much of my own, but the things that I have grown, it makes me appreciate how much work and like resources, like the water and the watering involved, like you've got to feed them, you know, you've got to yeah. like think about pests and all this kind of stuff, the effort that goes into it. And then for you to then waste that product feels so awful. So I don't know, it's kind of good in a way because yeah, you learn the lesson of like, 
not to waste stuff. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah. I feel like potatoes is the biggest lesson of that as well, because we think growing your own potatoes is going to be like this wonderful experience. And it really is a wonderful experience. But by the time you've bought the seed potatoes and done all the compost and fed the potatoes and watered them lovingly, you're like, this this little bowl of potatoes has cost me about £30. <laughs> Literally. And like, and that's the thing as well, because potatoes are so like cheap to buy so mm. you are kind of you have got the men- like it's really bad but you have got that mentality that when you buy them you're like oh well if I don't eat them all like it doesn't matter because you know I'll just go and buy some more yeah and you just get used to that don't you which is like dreadful but I don't know what can you do I mean it yeah. does make you appreciate like growing your yeah. own you just really appreciate like a carrot god carrots and parsnips take such a long time to grow I know and you just think of them as like the standard like humble veg but actually yeah. they've got hell of a lot of life before they get to your plate yeah and even like squashes and stuff like mm. I again I've only I only got two squashes when I grew them but like you know the amount of compost like because you have to feed them so much and water them so much and you know unlike courgettes which well actually having said that I've never actually it's like so weird because people say that courgettes like the easiest thing to grow for some weird reason I've never managed to successfully grow a courgette which is like, last I year I had a horrific I don't get it courgettes I was like how have I literally got none the year before I had about 80 and I was making courgette yeah. cake every week and then last year they just <laughs> didn't bother to turn up <laughs> It's so weird. It's, and uh, that's the other thing. It's like the weather is changing. I know like, like again, loads of people talking about this at the moment, but the weather is so changeable. Like it's, you know, like I was talking to someone about this the other day, like, you know, you read a gardening book or <clears throat> watch a gardening TV program or whatever. And everyone says like, this is the time you're meant to do this. And this is the time you're meant to do this because, you know, which is all dependent on the weather and you've got to wait until the last frost and stuff. And but the moment like the weather is so changeable like you know we've had such a mild winter really like you know like we were just chatting a moment ago about our straw flowers that are still going and like you know they should have been battered by the frost and the elements and yeah you know not not here with us anymore (laughs) but like they are and it's just so strange I don't know and so you've I don't know that's the other thing you've got to think about as well now is that like you don't necessarily have to follow those rules of like what's in the gardening book and you've kind of just got to go with you know what sort of almost feels right and obviously keeping an eye on the weather obviously that's mm-hmm. like the most important thing but yeah I don't know it's just it's really strange at the moment if and like like you were saying like last year everything was so late to bloom because like it was so wet and cold and I don't know it's strange yeah tomatoes last year like did anyone even have any between like the blight and the fact that it's so cold that no one no one's ripened like it just there wasn't was no the sun. year for it yeah it was dreadful yeah dreadful year for tomatoes do you know what's funny though is that everyone I speak to who's like not a gardener seems to remember last summer as being really like sunny and warm and I'm like well it can't have been because nothing ripened like there's no way that it was sunny and warm and they're like yeah there was that week where it was really hot it's like yeah one week that's not a hot summer it was one week where it was hot that's so strange yeah I don't definitely don't have those memories I had one weekend I remember that was glorious because I happened to go camping and we picked Mm -hmm. like the best weekend of the year and it was like you know 28 degrees whatever and it was lovely um but the rest of the summer I just remember sitting in the house being like when can I go outside because it's just Mm. pouring with rain all the time yeah I think I was in a raincoat for most of the summer yeah likewise no I didn't water more than like twice I remember being like this is insane like last year I ran out of water within like a week oh no (laughs) this year I never I didn't run out ever because it was just constantly the water butt was full all year oh my god I know so bad yeah but hopefully this year it'll be a little bit because I feel like we've had a really really hot year and a really really not hot year hopefully this year we'll kind of like be somewhere in the middle be the one yeah happy medium that's that's all we want 
yeah that would be nice and we'll have like bowls and bowls and bowls full of strawberries oh yes I'm excited Shannon you're welcome to the pick your own whenever you want. <laughs> um and then the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is obviously the big garden seed swap yes which I think it just launched well by the time this goes out maybe a couple of weeks ago um but yes. very exciting how can people take part so um all you have to do is email I think it's the big garden seed swap at outlook.com, but I'm just going to check that. <laughs> Hang on. Because I actually off the top of my head can't remember, which is really dreadful. Hang on two seconds. The big garden seed swap at outlook.com. Yes, I was. Perfect. So, yeah. So you just have to enter, uh, to register by just um, popping me an email and just, yeah, um, letting me know that you want to get, get involved and you just include your address. And um, if there's any preference, like in terms of seeds, so say, for example, you only have a balcony, so you haven't got like room to grow lots of like edibles or whatever, then mm-hmm. just let me know in the email and then I will forward that on to your seed swapper, who will obviously take note of that as best they can. So if they're, I'll try and match people as as best as I can. Obviously, some people don't give me preferences, and then like it's you know a bit trickier. Mm-hmm. But um, but like obviously, if you like, that's also absolutely fine. It kind of makes my life easier. So you know, I'm happy with literally either option. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's really exciting. I love it. It's like the funnest thing because I I love like watching people all over the country um sending seeds out to each other to different parts of the country and like you know and and, like people go to so much effort like you don't have to of course like you don't but people go to so much effort to like make their packages look really pretty and fun and um it's just really lovely to watch I don't know it's like a nice well I hope it's a nice thing for everyone I don't know Uh, I love a seed swap (laughs) I wish that there was actually like an in-person one like somewhere around me but I've not found any yet but I think it's like I've had so many really lovely parcels where they've wrote, written like a really personal note with each one. And sometimes you get someone who like already follows you on Instagram and they they never real reveal themselves. So I always feel bad that I can't like fully thank them. But they they've like looked around your pictures and been like, oh, I think this would work really well with what you're growing. Like this would be amazing. You'd love to eat this because you love that. And um, even the ones from like complete strangers who like you don't know at all. It's just so exciting to get something a bit different because although they might not always be necessarily what you would have personally chosen, I've had so many things that I've been like, oh, I would have never picked that, but now I've got it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, definitely. Their saved seed. Like it's something so personal about someone being like, oh, this is a plant that I grew and then I saved the seed and now I'm like passing it on. I know. This this lovely girl called Emily on Instagram sent me... um, some of her grandma's lupin seeds which is so sweet and like you say there's just something so lovely about like someone like really taking like the time and effort to go and like like first of all collect the seeds have like have a little conversation with you and they collect the seeds and then like package them up and send them to you and it's just so nice that that seed has come from like somewhere else in the country like derbyshire and then it's going to like you know reading or like Devon or like Scotland or whatever it's just really lovely like and it's I don't know it's just a really nice thing to do I guess so yeah and it's so exciting when you see other people growing your seeds as well like it wasn't a a seed swap but the first year that I grew the teepee because it was amazing I saved so many seeds and then I sent packs of like 100 to like think like 30 different people and um, didn't quite realize how much that was going to cost me in post and packaging when I agreed to trying to fortune on stamps that year but then it was amazing when everyone was like tagging me in their pictures like this is a sweet pea grown from your seeds and I was like oh my god I can't believe they germinated <laughs> I know it's so exciting is it it was like I think like because the seeds what really started like in um the first lockdown because I don't really know 
like how it kind of happened but for some reason I think everyone was like really miserable obviously like the first lockdown was like tough wasn't it like for a lot of people and um I randomly I don't even know why I started doing this but like for some reason I started like being pen pals for loads of people on Instagram and just kind of like writing letters to people and like you know and then they'd write a letter back if they wanted to or whatever and um I had like quite a few seeds. So like if there were, you know, I would say to people like, oh, do you have a garden? Do you fancy like a few seeds? Cause I've got quite a lot to like spare, whatever. And so some people are like, oh yeah, that'd be great. Or other people, you know, wouldn't bother, which is absolutely fine. So I sent like quite, you know, like a random mix of seeds to like people across the country, whatever, in these like little letters. And then again, you kind of just like do it. And and also it cost, yeah, so the stamps. I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah. So I started doing it. And then I was like, oh my God, what have I got myself into? But um, but yeah, and then like quite a lot of people, like, I'd send like sunflowers and, spe- and stuff, especially to people that say like had children and because it's such an easy, like fun thing to grow. And you can have like a sunflower growing height competition and stuff mm-hmm. and it was just so nice like seeing these like sunflowers growing and like especially for people because at the time you know we couldn't do any- anything else apart from like you know go for a walk or like go out in the garden or whatever and it was so nice seeing people that especially hadn't like grown anything before wouldn't even have thought of doing it growing like a sunflower and getting like their kids involved in you know getting the children interested in like growing and being outside and like being amongst nature it was just like so fun and then yeah I think like that that year maybe I sort of did organize like a really small it was like the big garden seed swap but it was like a smaller one I think there were like 10 of us or something like Mm -hmm. in a little message group on Instagram that were kind of we were just like swapped addresses yeah and then that's how it kind of started really and then I was like oh this would be so cool if like more people got involved and then yeah it kind of grew from there so yeah it should be fun I hope oh I love it I can't (laughs) can't wait to get involved and I've got so many seeds my god I know me too from um, Lizzie's like subscription and the seed advent calendar and then like friends and family giving me seeds and the seeds that I've actually bought and then the seeds that I've had from like the past few years I'm like a little bit inundated with seeds and I want to grow them all but then sometimes you just have to be a bit ruthless and be like I don't have space for every single one so I'm gonna have to like give some up to go to another home where they'll be like appreciated a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And sometimes you have like duplicates of stuff. Like mm. I was sorting through my flower seeds earlier and I had loads of um cosmos, which I love. I mean, the cosmos are just beautiful. Like come the end of August, like, well, we were talking about this earlier, weren't we? But like, yeah, because last year my cosmos probably didn't actually bloom until the end of September. But anyway, they did come eventually and then they were wonderful and like, like really prolific. But for some reason I had like four packets of cosmos purity, which is just that classic, like white sort of cosmos with the yellow yeah. center. And I was like, oh my God, how have I got so many of these? <laughs> so I'm like, I need to give these to a seed swapper so that they can grow some elsewhere. Because yeah, definitely. I'll grow four packets worth <laughs> I think I've got nearly 20 packets of Cosmos and <gasps> probably most of them are duplicate varieties and I really want to grow zinnias this year and grow less of the Cosmos because the zinnias are a little bit better for cut flower bouquets because they're just a bit sturdier yes so my seed swapper but I love Cosmos <laughs> <laughs> well you're in luck because I've got quite a lot of zinnias that failed oh, amazing. last year and I'm kind of like oh I can't be bothered with you because they didn't <laughs> worked for me last year so well oh, no I now I'm nervous about the zinnias no the first the year it was so easy I feel like with certain seeds it's like you know beginner's luck almost like mm. the first year I just they all germinated so quickly and they were all amazing and I was like this is the best flower ever like I love it and then yeah last year they were just complete disaster but I did try direct sowing a few actually because we we're talking about direct sowing oh. earlier and I did try doing that and it, it did work but they weren't brilliant they were okay, okay. they weren't at their best you know 
well I'm keeping my fingers crossed for some zinnia success because they are beautiful and I feel like I've never appreciated them properly before and then Florette Flower this year I don't know if you follow her on Instagram yes I do but yeah. her tunnels of oh my gosh I remember I just, her just yeah. couldn't be without <laughs> I know her zinnia tunnels were absolutely insane I remember yeah. looking at that pitch being like oh wish I'd like put more effort into my yeah. because they're so wonderful and again like you were saying they are so good as a cut flower they mm-hmm. last for ages because they're just so sturdy yeah and they like unfurl more and more and you get like more layers of like these beautiful curled petals and it just seems like they get better and better and better and then even when they go to seed they still look pretty yeah exactly but I think again they love like the sunshine so much and mm. like I think maybe that was part of it last year that they just didn't get enough sun I don't know maybe, maybe. who knows who but knows? like I always say it's about finding what works in your space because like everyone's got something slightly different exactly and it's just about like having a go at what a first of all what you like mm-hmm. I think is like the first thing to go with like what do you like you know forget everyone else and what everyone else is growing and whatever yes. just grow what you like the look of even if it's not in fashion or you know it's you know a bit more of a faff or you think it's a bit more complicated or whatever just do it and then if it doesn't work there's always going to be something that will work in that mm-hmm. spot it's just about like you said finding what is right for that particular space definitely um, I think yeah. the trial and error is half the fun of it because when you do succeed, it's that bit more satisfying because you know that something else hasn't worked out and you, you're you like a little bit gutted about one thing, but then something else happens and you're, you forget completely about it. You're like, because I'm buzzing, that this thing is like a showstopper. Yeah, 100%. And I think like, I don't know, I think there's so much information out there, isn't there? And I think that's probably why like a lot of people like, you know, maybe are a bit kind of overwhelmed when it comes to gardening and like, you know, where do you start? Because where yes. do you start? Like, you're like a new gardener where do you start like it's so hard if you've if you're lucky enough to have a garden or even a balcony can be like overwhelming I remember like finding my balcony um like what on earth do I do with this space like you know it's not like a normal space where I've got like grass that I can just I don't know dig a border in or whatever like what do I do with it so I think yeah it's just about kind of like trying it and just seeing if you enjoy it to begin with and then if you do just like finding things that you like and not like worrying about like the rules and you know and like well maybe you will fail because we all fail at certain things like and that's just like you said that's just like a part of it like you just have to kind of and it's like a learning process isn't it you kind of like learn to be more patient and learn that like okay sometimes we'll fail and then we'll pick ourselves back up and then we'll try again with something else you know like I think it's so important that everyone talks about it as well because the amount of times like I don't I don't actually share very many of my garden fails there are so many of them I should probably share more but every time I share a story or a post about something that's not turned out there's always like an influx of messages of people being like this happened to me but no one else has it's never happened to anyone else and so I feel like I'm just like a terrible gardener and I don't have the knack for it but I think it happens to everyone it's just like like Instagram is always that show reel of like all the best bits yeah it's easy to forget that people do have a plant graveyard like tucked around the back of their thing they have a pile of junk every garden has a little pile of junk somewhere it's just we don't sit and take a photo of it because it's not that pretty (laughs) exactly and also remembering that it takes time yeah this isn't something that you can achieve in like you know a few months like this is you know obviously there you can achieve a lot in a in a few months in like the gardening world but like you know these gardens that you see on Instagram that are absolutely stunning that we all love to follow and love to get inspiration from and love to 
like also hate in a little in in a way because we're all like, why is it so perfect? It's so annoying. And my garden doesn't look like that. And we we like it on Instagram because we're like, oh, we gotta you know like it because it's so beautiful. But at yeah. the same time, it's like so annoying that you know your own garden doesn't look like that. But yeah, it is. I think it it is like important to kind of share the like the rubbish side of stuff. And I've I've had moments where I'm like, you know you know, I know like we talk about Instagram a lot, but obviously because it's like a photo sharing platform, it's so easy to look at other people's, what other people are doing and feel really demoralized and mm. feel like we haven't got that wonderful space or we haven't got that beautiful house with that like gorgeous greenhouse to like do all that sewing in. But actually like sometimes it's so worth switching off from that and just remembering why we're doing it. And we're not, yeah. we're not doing it to to take a photo to post on Instagram like that's not why any of us got into gardening well hopefully not I I doubt I mean I don't know but I don't (laughs) so that's you know that's not why we're here and like I think I don't know there's just yeah there's joy in the failures I think sometimes because definitely it's funny like you've got to just laugh like you you know like it's it's for most of us it is a hobby and we're like lucky that it's a hobby and you know not a profession so but yeah it's possibly not hilarious if your seniors don't grow and you have a cut flower business but like you know if you're just doing it like, because it's your passion like sometimes you're like oh lol they definitely haven't worked like never yeah. mind try again next year do you know what I mean like I think you know you've just got to see the funny side in it sometimes and you know when things get battered by the slugs just replace it or dig it out and just have a bit of a hole and just make a joke out of it I don't know yeah yeah I just think it every every failure is a lesson learned like you'll figure out it figure it out the next time or there's just something that's not quite been in your favor like the like we said the last couple of years the weather has just been insane and so there was no winning really like if your tomatoes get blight there's probably nothing you could do about it anyway. It was always going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And like so many, like, you know, I was volunteering at a garden like quite recently and all the tomatoes there got blight and that's a professional garden mm. with a professional full-time employed head gardener. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just, sometimes that is just the way it goes. Like, you know, whether you're doing it in your on your allotment or in your back garden or, you know, working for a national trust house or whatever and you've just got to kind of, you know, accept it, move on, try again next year. Definitely. And I just, I have a real gut feeling that this is going to be, I feel like I said this in the last couple of episodes, but I just have a real like gut feeling. It's going to be a really, really good growing year. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. Positive mental. It better be. I'm all about that. Yeah, definitely. Was it manifesting? Let's manifest the best gardening, whatever, ever. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm manifesting. I'm sitting here manifesting. (laughs) We've said it on the podcast now. It has to happen. It's going to happen, guys. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for your time this evening. I won't take up too much more. No, don't be, it has been like a joy and a pleasure. And I hope, I don't know, fun. It's been so <laughs> um, much fun. What an absolute treat it was to chat to Emma this week. If, like me, you're eagerly anticipating the results of her Grand Garden designs this year with the Wafty Borders, make sure you're following along with her journey at MJ Real Davies. Every single story and reel is absolute comedy gold, but she's also super lovely, so I would 10 out of 10 recommend following along. That's all from me this week. Thank you so much to everyone who's returned for another season, and hello to any new listeners. It's great to have you. If you've loved listening, please do leave a review and let me know on Instagram at Diary of a Lady Gardener. I absolutely love hearing from you all. That's all from this week. Happy growing! <laughs> <laughs>